You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Welcome back, Kings fans. Welcome back, Rain fans. I am Jesse Cohen, and this is another Rain Check. Daryl Evans and Josh Schaefer are on the Rain Check today, broken up by some comments from head coach John Robleski. We had some technical difficulties in my conversation with Daryl. We lost the intro, so we joined that conversation now already in progress. Um, is there any one player, I mean, I know it's early and it's a weird season, but is there any one player that you would sort of pick as the MVP so far in the games that you've watched? I've definitely seen a a large amount of growth from the first game. Um, you know, I think collectively as a team, I think at that point when I did my first game, they'd only won one game, and that was about 12 games into the season. Um, but there's a lot of confidence now. Uh, there's They're more mature, uh, the way they appear on the ice, the way they carry themselves on the ice. Um, they're playing with a lot more intensity. Uh, Akil Thomas has been very uh, noticeable in, in the games that I've seen. Uh, I've been very impressed with uh, the effort that he's put forth and uh, what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, Byfield has definitely grown a lot. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of swagger to his game. Uh, he, you know, he put together a five-game uh, goal-scoring streak, and that's done a lot for his confidence. Uh, he's handling the puck more now than he did games. Uh, he's a lot more assertive. Uh, Kupari, uh, you can tell that he's got more experience than the other players. Uh, he's definitely a step beyond them uh, because of the maturity uh, experience that he's had. Uh, so those are those are a few guys that have, have really jumped out. Uh, Turcotte was injured at the at the uh, at the beginning. Uh, he seems to be getting more comfortable. One thing that's been very noticeable amongst all these guys is the the skill set that they all have. It's definitely a level above what the Kings have or have drafted in the years in the past. Um, I think they bring a lot more skill and speed uh, to today's game. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see the way it plays out here and to see as these players, uh, you know, make the, make the move from the American Hockey League into the NHL and be, and become regulars. And not only regulars, eventually will become leaders and impact players. Uh, you know, Kaliev's game has grown as well. He's getting a lot of shots on goal. Uh, I think, the, you know, the key for him is to continue to keep playing the game with a pace. Uh, there's no doubt he's got a nose for the net. And uh, it, the experience that these guys are getting this year, in particular with Byfield and Kaliev, uh, being able to play in the American League instead of having to play junior, um, th- this is great for them. Uh, I think and it's I think it's been a good wake up call for them as well. That you know you feel you're ready. You know I should be able to go in the NHL. I scored 50 or I scored 60 goals last year playing junior, and then all of a sudden you see wow, it's uh, quite a step to the American League, and and then beyond that, it's a uh, you know another huge leap to the NHL. And uh, I think it's been a really good eye opener for those guys, and it'll uh, it'll give them uh, more incentive uh, you know to work on this summer and and to focus in on a few of the things that they, you know that they've learned over the first year playing here in the American Hockey League. You mentioned Byfield and Kaliev. They're currently leading points, 17 points each, 18 and 19 years old. How difficult is it to play in this? It's a difficult league. There's no doubt about it. Um, it uh, there's uh, like the young players that are coming in. Like if you're an older player and. And, uh, you know, a lot in the American Hockey League, he's got a lot of experience in there. And, you know, he's a guy that, you know, probably still has a lot of that old school mentality where these young guys that are cup now, uh, the skills they've been exposed to at a young age and they've been able to develop and practice, you know, for so many years. By the time they become professional, um, you know, it, they're they're quite, you know, 
and I don't want to say they haven't competed as youngsters, uh, you know, byfields, but uh, you know, he he's still, um, you know, and uh, I think as power in his legs, uh, the battles that when he gets involved in the corner, he's going to win those battles. He's going to get out of the corner with the puck all the time uh, on the ice. But these are just little things, and those aren't things that you, you know that happen overnight. But they all come with maturity and, and time to develop. But uh, both Kaliev and you know Byfield, uh, uh, it's when I mean, you definitely can see. Um, you know the the uh, future there with with those two players. Uh, you know Kaliev, like as I said, he's got an, an instinct and a knack to be able to find the sweet spots in the offensive zone. He pulls himself into those open areas. Um, you know he he again because of his size and his power. I mean he skates, he moves so well. His vision on the ice is great. He may, that's what I'm starting to see out of his game now. Whereas at the beginning it was more like of an individual. Now you can see the the wheels spinning on these guys and. Uh, and it's really fun to watch. Uh, the development is, is really a fun part of it. And, you know, this, like I say, this this year for them is going to be fun. And when they've played in the NHL for a number, probably uh, use this as saying that this was a, a big stepping stone uh, for them to be able to, you know, set the table and move forward and how to train and how to become a professional. We've seen Kaliev and Kupari called up and get to NHL action this year. Is there anyone else among the forward core, even maybe some that are injured, that you'd like to see get a few games at the NHL level this season? You know, you know everybody wants to see these young guys, you know, play in the NHL. And you know, we've seen Kalia, we see Kupari. Um, you know, I think at some point, you know, and if the rain fall out of the picture where you know they're not able to compete for a playoff spot, you know, maybe there's a time when you bring the guys up for you know for a little bit of a taste, uh, you know, give them a little sample as to what it is to play in the NHL. But they have to be playing you know, really, really solid in the American Hockey League at that time. You know, I think Akil Thomas is a player that uh, you, you might want to take a peek at. Uh, Byfield, uh, you know, Turcott, these guys, you know, even maybe Kaliev again. Uh, but I don't, if if they're if they're in the hunt, um, you know, and they're playing, you know, some real competitive, uh, you know, and meaningful games, I think it's important for those guys to continue to keep growing as a team because the nucleus of players that are in Ontario, those guys are eventually going to be the core of the team in the in the NHL. So the more time that they can spend together, earning each other's trust, um, learning each other's tendencies on the ice, uh, the better off and the easier the transition to the NHL will come. So uh, they're all very very supportive of each other. But you know, I think if uh, you know, again, if things don't go well, you know, with the Kings and you know, and Ontario falls out of the picture as well, you know, I think we'll. You know, we'll probably get a you know a glimpse at uh, you know probably a handful of guys that are going to come in. Even Dursey back in the blue line, you know, he's got some good instincts uh, in the games that I've seen. He handles the puck well. Uh, he's a good skater, uh, an up ice type of guy. He can push the tempo, and he's got to work on the defensive part of his game. But uh, you know, that's that's very common with a lot of young guys. But the game is different now for for defensemen. Um, you know, they're almost like a fourth forward on the ice, and. That's where kind of Dursey fits in. Uh, he's a guy that can play, you know, could play on the power play uh, on your second unit and and give you some support there. So there's a lot of guys that uh, you would definitely you know, like to take a peek at, and uh, I'm sure we're going to see a bunch, uh, whether it's uh, through injury, COVID, or uh, just uh, you know the way things evolve and giving these guys a peek. But uh, there's no need to bring any of them up for an extended period of time. Um, I think the more time they spend in growing the American Hockey League this year, the more beneficial it'll be because they're going to play in all the critical moments uh, on the power play, on the penalty kill, um, and you know that's where they need to uh, you know continue to keep developing their games. Doesn't make sense to bring a kid up 
and play him for, you know, seven or eight minutes in a game when he can be playing 18 to 20, you know, 22 minutes or a defenseman, maybe even a little bit more in the American Hockey League. Let's talk about the blue line real quick. The, the Reigns score a lot of goals. They've been allowing a lot of goals. But with uh, Ole Mata, Sean Walker, Matt Roy, Tobias Bjornfoot, Mikey Anderson, now it looks like Clegg, Strand. I mean, there's a lot of young guys on the blue line that have proven themselves capable at the NHL level. Does that does that stability, uh, you know, on the big club give more time and less pressure to the defensemen on the rain to develop their games? Well, yeah, you know, they've got to continue to keep putting the repetitions in. Uh, the more games that they can play, you know, the better off they're going to be and the more they're going to benefit. Uh, and they're going to find now as, as they get down to this last uh, month or so, uh, you know, the teams that they're competing against, especially for the ones that are on the cusp of getting in the playoffs, whether they're in an NHL game or uh, an American Hockey League game, that uh, there's going to be a little bit more intensity. And I think some of the young guys with the Kings right now, I, I think they're feeling that. And they haven't been able to find that that gear. Um, you know, earlier on, I don't want to say the games weren't meaningful, but now there's a little bit more desperation and urgency. And, and that's part of growth, that you, you have to be able to find that. Uh, so, you know, these guys are going to be playing in some critical some critical games and it's going to be great uh, you know for them moving forward i still think the kings are in need of a uh you know a top four defenseman um you know a, and, and probably uh you know left-handed shooting defenseman uh probably somebody that's had you know anywhere from you know five to six seven years of experience uh that can you know play in all situations um and i think that'll be the key moving forward and that's going to buy more time for these guys to be able to grow I, you know these guys have been very impressive the way they've grown um i still think there's a little bit more of a ceiling offensively for guys like walker uh there's no doubt that with uh mikey anderson and bjornfoot you know they're going to continue to keep getting better they're going to get stronger they're going to get a feel for the league um, so, you know, there's, there's still a need for a veteran defenseman and that allow not only the guys that are with the Kings, but the guys in Ontario, again, a little bit more patience. So there's no need to rush these guys because the last thing that you want to do is you want to put a player in and if they don't have a lot of success, they, they start to lose their confidence and it becomes a, you know, it becomes a very negative type of thing. And um, you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to take away that, take that away from a young player. So you want to continue to keep encouraging them, you know, to drive forward, uh, get better. And, you know, one, one uh, real nice thing is that, you know, practicing in the same building as the Kings, they get to see the Kings on the ice and then the Kings management and uh, all the development people are watching them, uh, watching them grow. So they're, they're auditioning each and every day. Last question before we let you go. The Rain signed Adam Johnson to uh, an AHL contract. He's got uh, about a dozen games in the NHL and maybe uh, about 150 to 200 games at the AHL level. He's been playing in Sweden. Um, he's 26 years old. How important is it for this group of young forwards to have guys like Brett Sutter, Devontae Smith-Pelly, now Adam Johnson, um, to to help you know buffer th this incredible group of young talent? It is really important. Uh, you know, I remember as a young player coming in, you know, those are the guys that you gravitate towards. You know, those are the guys that you look up to, uh, the guys that have kind of, you know, walked the walk and, you know, walk and, you know, talk the talk type, you know, so to speak. And, you know, they back it up with their actions. Uh, so I think they've got, you know, some good role models there for these young guys to, you know, to aspire to be like, whether it's the guys that are on the actual reign or the, you know, the guys that are on the Kings that they get a chance to see in practice with uh, each and every day. And because of the way things have gone this year with, 
having the taxi squad, these a lot of these young kids have been exposed to the NHL guys. So it's it's been great for them to have those guys to kind of mentor them. Um, and, you know, anytime you can add a veteran player to a young core players, uh, you know, like they've, they've done now, uh, I think that's going to help the rain out. I think it's going to just, you know, just take a little bit of an edge off there. You know, just, and it might only, it might not even be the actions on the ice. It might be something that might be said in the locker room by one of these veteran players. It'll, you know, it'll just kind of hit a light switch for these young kids. So uh, I think, uh, you know, the organization is doing a good job at making the decisions of, you know, bringing those veteran guys into uh, to create an environment for the young guys to be able to grow uh, in a comfortable way. Well, you mentioned uh, one of the, advantages of having the rain play in the practice facility for the Kings. But from my mind, the biggest advantage is that we get to hear you uh, doing the color commentary from time to time on the rain games. It's a ton of fun. I appreciate you doing it, Daryl. God bless you, Jesse. I appreciate you, all that you do. And, uh, you know, the, the perspective that you give on the game, you see it through a different set of eyes. And uh, I think it's important for, uh, you know, for the, for the fans to see and hear that. Uh, it, it's great to see. And I really always enjoy talking to you and uh, enjoy working with you. So keep up the great work and, I always believe there's better days ahead. <laughs> From your lips. Thanks very much, Daryl. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Jesse. Take care. Uh, hey, John. Happy Easter. Hey, Jesse. Right. Just trying to sort out my mic situation here. Yeah, no problem. Um, listen, the team has changed a ton from the first 10 or 12 games or whatever it was. It looks like the forwards have you know, advanced to the state where you want. You're scoring goals. You're getting shots, at least. I'm curious, does um, – does the the awkward season with the COVID restrictions and the taxi squad, like I know I've heard from you and from Clellan that it's tough and everybody has to deal with the same thing and, you know, moving on. And I, I get that you don't want to make excuses and everything, but it just seems like it's particularly difficult in a season like this when you've got guys up and down off the taxi squad. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that absolutely. If you're with a group as young as we are, there, there are a lot of things that have to connect for us to be able to uh, have that ultimate team success, I think. And we, we certainly lack that, whether it's, uh, you know, it's, it's continual face-off coverage, uh, things like that, that it's, it's difficult to build on when you, when you can't reflect back and, and just expect um, certain items to be adhered to. And then, but every team's going through it. I, I, I will refuse to use that as an excuse. I, I, I think that it does, it does make it more challenging and, uh, and we just have to do a better job and the players have to do a better job of recognizing certain situations and that we don't have to continuously teach them. And that's, that's part of their, that's part of their growth and, and part of our growth as a staff too. We got to do a better job. You guys have struggled against the goals this season. I'm taking a look at their roster. Um, does it make any difference the average age of the uh, team you're playing against? Does, it, does a team like the Gulls with a bunch of guys in their mid to late 20s present uh, uh, extra challenges? We, sh- we should have beaten them a few times this year, the flat out. So uh, the one the one in, in their building where we gave up a goal with four seconds left and the, uh, we had an overtime loss here. And uh, I thought for the most part, we played a very good game today and a, a coin flip. We, we should have better results against this team and uh, – you know, they, but they, in that, in that realm, they, you have to respect the, you know, what, what they do They're They've got veteran poise and, uh, and they, and they bring it every, every night. It seems that, uh, you know, we're, we're negotiating those, those top players and they're, they're showing up on our score on the score sheet. Uh, we got to do a better job of shutting them down, but it, it's, this is, this is, I can't, I can't say enough. Our, our guys should relish the opportunity uh, to beat those established players and to, and to show that they belong in the league. It's like, you know, so we're all, we're all trying to get to the NHL. 
Um, and our guys need to learn that if, if there's a player over on the other side, that's not in the NHL, then guess what? That's somebody that you're, you're eventually going to have to beat out. You, you need to beat that person out now, the quicker, the better. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're learning, we're learning through all those, uh, but it's, to me, it's a, just, it just makes it a, a bigger and better challenge. And that's something that we, we, uh, we all have to strive for. And that keeps, it should be an extra motivation is to, is to try to beat those established players. Thank you. Joining me now on the rain check, Josh Schaefer. You may have heard him calling games for the Ontario rain recently. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Now, before we get into the rain, let's learn a little bit about Josh Schaefer. Um, I am always fascinated by people who knew what they wanted to do at an early age, and you strike me as one of those people. I could be wrong. But uh, when did you know that you wanted to do play-by-play? Um, well, when I was growing up, I was always just as excited to meet the team's broadcasters as I was to meet the team's players, whether it was growing up going to Dodger games or Kings games or, or whatever it might be, uh, in LA. And I was always just as excited to bump into Vin Scully in the parking lot or uh, with Bob Miller on the upper concourse at Staples Center. Um, so I, I kind of noticed that when I was, when I was really young and then, uh, I would also, uh, my dad got me a pitch back when I was younger and you, you kind of pitch into it in the front yard and it springs the baseball back at you. Um, so I, I would always play games and, and do play by play over me just messing around in the front yard or playing basketball in the front yard. Um, and it was things like that that always kind of stuck with me. Um, I worked with, uh, I was the team manager for my high school's football team and freshman year I remember being in practice just doing play-by-play in my head watching practice and then I knew that my high school had in the past tried to experiment with some play-by-play stuff and it didn't really work out uh and I just knew that I wanted to expand on that and and we started it and we 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 ran with it and that's kind of where I got my start and knew that this is what I wanted to do was I think the seeds were had been planted when I was very young uh but I really started going after it when I was between eighth and ninth grade this is why I'm always fascinated because I've heard some version of that story from Dita Rule, the organist at uh, you know at Staples Center, from Dave Joseph, previous PA announcer for the LA Kings, Nick Nixon, uh, play-by-play announcer for the LA. Kings. I mean, it's like everybody we talk to that has a very specific job within sports. It always sort of comes down to, well, I was a teenager and I asked somebody for a chance and they gave it to me, and now here we are. It, it's at at equal parts inspiring and frustrating because when I was that age, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I waited until my, I don't know, my mid thirties to start figuring it out. But um, you call a really good game, Josh. I do enjoy it. Uh, I think hockey's probably a very difficult sport to call. Um, where does hockey slot in your rankings as far as difficulty based on all the sports that you've had the uh, opportunity to call? Um, it's, it's definitely top two. Uh, I've done, a lot of hockey, a lot of baseball. Um, over the past two years, I, I did. I've done a lot of basketball and football, and I did both of those throughout high school. Um, but I've definitely done the most football and baseball. I mean, uh, a hockey and baseball. And I think hockey and believe it or not, baseball. Despite the speed of the game, I think those are the two hardest. Uh, hockey, I'll do boards and prep for every single game and put hours and hours into it. And I won't even use 50% of it during a broadcast. I mean, the, the, the amount of work I put into the rain and the goals this last week was tremendous. And I didn't use even half of it. And for a baseball game, there's a lot of prep you don't do, but there's just so much more time to fill. 
Um, and I think it's, I, I, I don't know if this is necessarily true. This is the way that I've always felt was it's a lot easier for me to mess up a baseball call or for me to make mistakes in a baseball game than it is in hockey. And it just, there's just so much time to fill. So I would say baseball and hockey, in my opinion, are the two hardest because football is kind of formulaic in a, in a way, you know, you're calling a play for five seconds and then a little bit of filler and then there's the play and then you kind of can take some time off or your analyst can jump in and basketball for the most part is just kind of back and forth more so than hockey. So I think that hockey and baseball for me are the two most difficult. I think obviously every sport has its own vocabulary and people can tell pretty quickly how, how much of a fan anybody is of a particular sport. You know, I, I follow the other sports sort of, you know, by listening to sports talk or reading the paper or watching highlights, but I don't really follow um, any sport other than hockey very closely. And hockey fans get a bad rap uh, sometimes for gatekeeping, but it's one of the things I actually like about hockey is that you can tell instantly uh, how long somebody has followed the, the sport or how well they know it. And, and there was one simple word you used in the first uh, call, the first game you called this season that, that instantly comforted me um, while I was listening and it was dispossessed. Um, I can't remember what the, used it a couple of times, but the first time you said, you know, so-and-so dispossesses so-and-so from the puck. And I just thought like, aha, I'm going to enjoy this. This is going to be great. So, I mean, uh, growing up, you know, you mentioned uh, seeing Bob Miller up on the 300 levels. You're obviously from Southern California. Were there any uh, particular memories of um, Southern California hockey or players that you, that stand out in your memory? The first hockey game I ever went to was I want to say it was LA City LA County firefighters night. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. <laughs> My uncle is, a, is was an LA City firefighter and he got a bunch of tickets and uh, we all went to the game and it just so happened to work out that my best friend's family had also gotten tickets for that game and they were in our section. So we all went down to the game together and that was the first time I'd ever been to a hockey game. It was 2007, I believe against the Dallas Stars and the Kings were down four goals in the final five minutes and came back and Kopitar won it in overtime. And immediately it was like, that's it, hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've diehard sports fan growing up. I mean, I think everybody, regardless of what your personality type is or, you know, like what you're interested in, what your hobbies are, everybody's really nerdy about one thing. And us sports fans, so we're, all, we're all nerdy about sports. And and it was kind of like that for every sport for me, whether it was college football or baseball, basketball, hockey. But that was the moment where I was just like, wow, like for my first experience in hockey and to watch a team make a four goal comeback in the final five or six minutes and then win in overtime, that was something really cool. And then there were some years that I didn't um, go to any games. Um, I went to the second to last regular. I went to the second to last regular season game in 2012 um, against the Sharks. The Kings lost in a, in a tough way, a really tough way. And at the end, one of the Sharks players had reached his stick over the boards. Ryan Clough, yeah. <laughs> yep. And so you, it's funny. I've said two games and immediately you, you knew what yeah. both of them were. But I, so Clough reached over the boards and, and tapped the puck. And I remember that. And then that same year, I went to game four, game three of the playoffs against, uh, against Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals. Those three games really stick out to me. And then game uh, after, after that first game I went to, 
the next one that sticks out to me after those other two is game four against San Jose in 2014 when the Kings were down 3-0. My dad was at game three with a couple of his friends when they lost in overtime. I remember being at that game and when the Kings scored on the empty net and the building's going nuts, you would have had no idea they were down 3-0. <laughs> I, I turned to my mom and dad and I said, I think they're going to win this series. And whatever, they kind of laughed about it. Like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I think they're going to win this series. And they did. And so those, those moments, at least in person, were some of the ones that really jump out to me. There's been a ton of, you know, obviously two Stanley Cups with the organization in the last 10 years, um, which uh, as me growing up as a sports fan, um, in my, where, where, where I am in my life right now, I mean, I'm 22 years old. That was like right in the middle of me really kind of deciding what I wanted to do for a living. And then right in the middle of my hockey fandom and my hometown team wins two Stanley cups. So what, just watching those, those few years with those teams were, were really fun. And that's what really jumps out to me. I have to ask, are you still friends with that best friend who went to the first game with you? Uh, yeah. So we actually, uh, <laughs> that game three that the Kings lost in 2014 to the sharks. Uh, I got a, I got a, text from my dad at school that day and he says hey going to the Kings game tonight uh so and so got us tickets and I was like oh going to a playoff game like that sounds great I assumed it was going to be my friend my dad and my friend's dad so they roll up my to, right in my front yard my friend gets out of the car and he's wearing a King shirt I'm wearing a King shirt and my dad goes and hops in the car and he's like all right we'll see you guys later and they <laughs> drove off to oh, the no. game without us oh so, no so yeah we were friends and we watched the game at home and we were all depressed after oh, game three man. well like i said you've uh, you've done an excellent job calling the rain games i think you've got two under your belt at this point so i'm just curious what uh, kind of growth have you seen in between those two games from the ontario rain i think mean, a team that's almost unbelievably younger than you yeah i mean <laughs> I think the team's average age is like 23 years old, almost, almost exactly 23 or something like that. And I'm almost 23. And again, <laughs> that, that age is being brought up by just a few guys on the team too, mm -hmm. um, which is, which is crazy to think about. But um, yeah, game one, I felt like I was really rusty and settled in. And um, I think I was in my own head quite a bit um, to go from, from doing ASU baseball and basketball and football and hockey the last couple of years. And then a pandemic hits and I'm not doing anything long-term for essentially a year and 365 days to the day of my last real broadcast, I'm doing pro hockey. So I think I was in my head a little bit. I was really excited. Um, I think I was a little bit rusty. I've been doing, for example, just to, just to stay sharp, I've been doing like a baseball inning every day. Like I'll just go find an old tape of mine, an old game. I'll pull up a major league game and take some quick notes and call an inning for 15, 20 minutes a day and no big deal. Just stay sharp. And uh, there's just nothing like live hockey though. So um, doing the game, I, I felt not behind uh, when I say rusty, when I'm rusty in different sports, different things happen for hockey. For me, I use the same 10 verbs over and over and over again um so I, I felt like i was doing that through the first two periods um i think i settled in a little bit in the third and felt confident um and then obviously uh, credit to the two teams for playing a, a good tight hockey game that kept me into it and kept the fans into it all the way until the end uh and then this last game for, for the second game i did against san diego i i was 
excited for it. I kind of knew how I wanted to do prep for the game um, as opposed to the first one. And uh, from the drop of the puck, I felt more in control of, of what, what, what I could control of my voice of the broadcast, but of course the game's going to dictate everything. It's just how we manage it. So everything that I could possibly be in control of going into the second game, I felt from the puck drop, I was there. And and that not just from a play-by-play standpoint, but getting in and out of live reads, getting in and out of breaks when we cut to quick commercials, things like that, keeping my voice in check. Um, obviously, I don't have a very deep voice, as you know, m- maybe people would think a stereotypical broadcaster would, but it's about how I command my voice. Um, and from, from the drop of the puck, I felt much more in command of how I sounded in game two. And I think that was just the, the actual physical adjustment from periods one and three in that first game. And then all of the mental stuff going into game two, just, I I just knew where I wanted to be and what I wanted to work on. It's such a tough job. Um, the, The older I get and the more conversations I have with people about, you know, the role of a play by play announcer on the face of it, it seems utterly absurd to me, right? Like you are, you are describing the thing I'm watching. I can't think right. of any other setting where I would want another person telling me what I can see with my own two eyes. Yeah. If I was watching a movie and there was somebody standing next to me saying, okay, Pierce Brosnan is walking across the room. Now he's reaching <laughs> down. He's, I'd be like, I know I'm watching it. Um, but there is something about the play-by-play announcer. And, and you've seen teams experiment with not having play-by-play announcers, or you can tell when there's somebody who is, you know, particularly ill-suited to do it. Um, your job appears to be being completely omnipresent and always uh, noticeable and yet at the same time completely unnoticeable right like you never want you know I always find like for just personally I know he's a, a hero and a pillar of the community but I don't particularly enjoy the way Doc Emmerich calls the games mm-hmm. and part of that is because I'm constantly aware that it's Doc Emmerich calling the games <laughs> you know like people say like oh he can use so many different verbs and I'm like well I don't want to hear waffle boarded or knifed or sliced or whatever. I'm like I choose pass is fine with me um so, I mean, do you, are you, do you focus on that or do you just try and put that out of your head when you're calling a game? Like, I'm just here to do my job and I'm not going to worry about how it might be received. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting point. Um, it, it's a little bit of both where I, I do go in um, kind of aware of what my, my role is mm-hmm. and that's to go in and just, I, I got to do my job, but uh, it's also for me important to consider the listener. So I was with a mentor a couple of years ago, and again, it, so he's a radio broadcaster, and I've had my fair my fair share of experience with either TV or radio, whatever. But uh, but kind of like how you mentioned with TV, you know, you're watching the game. You don't necessarily need me. Um, but for <laughs> but example, uh, huh? yeah, in in a way, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but. Um, yeah, I was with a mentor and he was broadcasting a hockey game and I'm sitting in the booth with him and a team goes to the power play. And he said, all right, we'll be right back. Power play on the other side of this, whatever. And they go to break and he turns to me and he takes his headset off and he says, what do you want to know as a listener going into this power play? And then it's like, okay, so that, what, what do I want to know? I want to know how good one team is, how good maybe the other team is on the penalty kill, uh, who the leaders are. And I start spewing out all these things I want to know about the power play. 
And he said, okay. And they came back from break and he said maybe one or two of those things. And next break, he said, why didn't I go into it? Why didn't I go into all of it? And I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, you want to save a little bit for later. Maybe there's going to be a power play later. And what's the point of me saying everything I just said again? Um, but also you said, what do you want to know? And you're going to want to know something different later uh, than something you wanted to know now. So if you're going to have different situations, the listener might want to know different things. They might want to hear different things. And again, if you're listening on radio, you don't have those eyes. Um, but I, I, do, I, I do think going in something to consider is the listener, obviously, and what they want to know and what they want to feel. And obviously, I can't tell them how to feel listening to a game, but I can help. And if I can bring emotion into the game, maybe I can bring emotion into somebody's living room, too. Well, like I said, I think you did an excellent job. And uh, I was I was glad to hear um, that you put all that pre uh, prep blanked on the word um, all that prep into it, because, you know, to your point, I think you do have to worry about the listener or, or not worry about the listener, but, you know, speak to the listener. But also there's, I think, a very strong difference between a national broadcast and a, and a local broadcast and listening to you call the rain games felt like you followed the team every day, knew all the guys, you know, and that was great. Uh, one other thing I don't like is this turns into a podcast of me just listening, listing my <laughs> grievances. But one of the reasons I don't particularly enjoy national broadcasts of Kings games um, is that I do know a lot about the Kings. Right. And so I understand that for the national broadcast, it's geared towards an audience that may be not intimately familiar with the Kings, yeah. But certainly with a minor league game, you want to be talking to those specifics. So I appreciate the work you did there. Um, real quick, any players on the rain that you were particularly excited to watch or that stood out to you? Any plays, any goals, or uh, any moments that, uh, that piqued your interest as a Southern California sports fan? Um, yeah, it, obviously going into the season when I kind of had an idea that I was going to start doing these games and I started doing – We'll, we'll call it prep. That's what it was, but more background info. I started doing background info about a month or two before I actually did a game, just in case that this ended up working out for me. And it did. Uh, so I was, I was ready to go for the first game and just doing prep for Quentin Byfield is, I mean, he steps on the ice and it's like Kopitar or Evgeny Malkin just stepped on the ice. And that's kind of the type of player that he is. Uh, his goal from the San Diego game that I did. Uh, I wish I could have the goal call back. There's something about it that I just thought that I could have punched a little bit harder. Uh, I could have said something else, but in the moment I, I was really happy with it. I thought that was a really cool goal. So Quentin Byfield, I think the guy has all the tools. Um, I'm obviously not a scout, but um, the things that I've seen and the, the way that he's developed just from, I mean, I, I called two games in a span of – I called two of their last seven games up to this point, which was the start of the win streak and then kind of the end of the win streak, you know. Um, and just in those six or seven games, he improved. Um, and he's really settled down. Uh, Akil Thomas is great. Been following him since that gold medal goal a couple years ago in the World Juniors, um, which was great. Um, he's got an interesting story. Uh, his family life, his, his clothing line that he started, I think, is fascinating. Um, Alex Turcott, again, another guy from the world juniors, he's an American. So, um, watched him along with guys like Zegris. And then as a college hockey guy, myself, him and, uh, Caulfield at, at Wisconsin, and they played Arizona state where I went and I've covered that team for four years. So, um, 
it was fun to, to watch him cover him a little bit. And then kind of the one that maybe you weren't expecting, uh, Devontae Smith-Pelly. I was so excited to, to have the opportunity to call his first home game because watched him with the Ducks. I remember he scored a really nice backhand goal in the playoffs against the Kings in 2014. <laughs> and I remember his goal and the celebration. And then uh, he went to Washington and I've, I follow the Capitals quite a bit and I've got friends who are Capitals fans and he is a cult hero in, in Washington, DC in the DMV area. So when, when the rain made that signing, uh, my phone blew up with a couple of my friends from that area. So I was excited to see, uh, to see DSP this last game too. Excellent. Well, you've got, uh, was that, have you called your, no, you've got one more game left on the schedule, right? Yeah, so I'm actually going to do a few more now, too. So okay. I've, I've got a few more games through May. Um, but, yeah, so I've done two. Uh, my next one is uh, April 4th against San Diego. And I believe uh, on one of the games that I added is another game against the goals. So excited to see uh, to see how that rivalry develops a little bit, too. Well, hopefully uh, you'll get to call a few more W's as the goals yeah. and the rain play <laughs> each other. So. Josh, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 